0: Welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Show. It might be transfer deadline day, but I'm not expecting any moves for any of the team here today. Uh, I'm Tony Kerr. Alongside me is Gareth the Prevo. Hi, Tony. And Rob Battist. Hi, Tony. Uh, Great to see you guys. Um, Coming up, we'll reflect on a tough week for GFC, but a good one for Ben AC and North. We'll hear from North President Colin Kimber about AC's prospective move to Bristol City. We'll also touch on the latest domestic action as the Islands under-18s hit wreck for six in the Stranger and Saints win again in the the Premier League Uh, and within Torinsular football finally on the horizon it's got us thinking about who might be in the running to manage the senior men this season and pull on the Guernsey Green I think in fact that's where we're going to start Rob in a moment you're going to name your Marathi your men's Marathi 11 as things stand Um, but let's just start with some fixture news because, as I say, uh, things are starting to take shape somewhat. Although there is a little bit of doubt around Springfield's being ripped up, isn't it? So games are getting moved over there. Um, We've got a Jeremy Cup draw, but no dates or no trophy at the moment. So um, we'll see how it all pans out. But we have, as I say, got a draw for the Jeremy Cup. Um, We also know the Junior Moratti, which will be held on the 6th of March, um, is going to be in Jersey. That's been moved to St. Peter from Springfield. Uh, the Star Trophy, also taking place in Jersey this year. Um, As for the under-16s, under-11s and under-21s, they're all going to take place in Guernsey. But there's still so much uncertainty around. Um, Let's start with the men's Marathi situation because we're, what, six weeks or so from the Marathi semi-final, although I don't know if we've got a date for that yet uh, up in Alderney. We don't have a manager for the men's island team at the moment. Rob, uh, yeah, can you remember a time this close to, you know, the marquee fixture of the season and, and not just that, I suppose, the return of, of Marathi football that we haven't had a coach in place?
1: No. <laughs> as simple as that. I think it's a um, crazy situation and slightly worrying um, to the extent that no individual has been publicly um, outlined to take on the role. And that can't be good. Um, I can see where the GFA may well be coming from. They're thinking, well, it's not an immediate issue. We've got probably the Guernsey FC coaching team who are very able and can take this on, and they'll, they will probably do. And I've no doubt that whoever coaches the GFC, oh, sorry, the Guernsey Marathi team in the semi-final and hopefully the final, it will be somebody from that quartet of Tony Vance, Colin Falle, Steve Sharman or Stuart Moyles. Um but I don't know. It just does it, it doesn't sit very comfortably with me that we here we are at this stage and we haven't got a manager. Um it'll also be um of course potentially a problem if um when we face Alderney, that you know, Guernsey FC will have a match the same day and um sort of jotting down a few names about who would be in sort of my Marathi Final starting eleven at this stage. Um, I didn't really sort of get as far as actually trying to have to pick two squads for the same day. Of course, that's been done before, and but in the in the previous years, I think it's fair to say um, we were still living in the um, the period where we had a very very strong s- squad. Of players who'd come through our golden period, shall we say, at the start of the um, the Green Lions project. And we had a lot of really good players kicking around and, you know, who weren't involved in that. I don't think we've got that depth at the moment and um, slightly concerning.
0: And I know you, in your Marati Eleven, a prospective Mirati eleven, will have a few pre league players in there. We'll come on to that in a moment, but I mean, Gareth... I suppose if the island manager is drawn from the GFC kind of coaching team, um, you do wonder how much preo football they might be seeing. I know, you know, we, we do see them around the place a fair amount, but you'd expect the island manager to be sort of, having the time and the freedom, at, I suppose, at this point of the season to be going and watching a lot of football from, a, from across the piece.
2: Yeah, basically, you'd hope they'd do their own scouting, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, certainly during the, the GFC lockdown, when they weren't going away, you would see, I mean, you'd see Tony Vance and Colin Fallows at very, very regularly um, local pre league games. But now they're in full flight and basically from from this weekend coming, GFC have basically got two games a week for the rest of the season. So they haven't got time to go out um, watching other training sessions or other domestic matches to try and pick an 11 or pick a squad to face Alderney um, when they've got their own sort of... They've got their, the Isthmian League to worry about. I mean, that's, that's pretty high on their agenda, the way things are going. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's a little bit, as Rob says, a bit concerning that um, we just haven't got an island manager right at this moment who um, will know how best to sort of tackle the, the challenges ahead. And Alderney will be a challenge... And if we're doing that without GFC players, because they're likely to be in action themselves, um, you know, where's the cohesion going to be there? Hopefully it will be cleared up pretty soon because it
0: needs to be. And you can imagine over in Jersey, Martin Cassidy, who I know is obviously experiencing this kind of difficulty of, of, of a, a Jersey Bulls situation for the first time as the island representative men's manager. But they've got a big tournament to look forward to. He's got a big tournament to look forward to in terms of that UEFA Regions Cup um, uh, competition later on this summer. So you'd imagine he's probably some way down the line in terms of planning and preparation and, and with a kind of a pretty firm idea of what his side is going to yeah, be. Yeah,
1: I would envisage that the Jersey Marathi team will be all Jersey Bulls players and will be basically their strongest team. Um, but the big problem that lies with us is that whilst when Guernsey FC was formed and in the first few years, the 11 players who took to the pitch in a Marathi final in green and white were quite clearly the best footballers on the island and nobody could argue with that really. I would argue strongly that that is certainly not the case in 2022 and I think we, Jersey, would be very, very um, pleased if they saw um, the, some of the sides we've turned out for GFC um, recent times um, playing on Marathi Day. Because, of course, you've got to remember that um, some of those GFC players at the moment aren't qualified for, um, for the Moratti, which weakens us even further. There will be no Callum Stanton this year. There will be no Tom Jackson, for example. That's if he's considered to be good enough. And, you know, I think, as I say, that's, that GFC squad at the moment, which has now just lost Ben Acey, who could have well been a, a Marathi debutant, um, we are struggling. We are really struggling.
0: Well, let's say what you've got down on your piece of paper, Rob, in front of you. You've been scribbling away. Um, is it fair to say that you think this season there should be more pre league representation in the squad, or, or there will be? I mean, do you, are, you, are you confident that would be the case?
1: I'm not sure, really, um, because the problem we have is that Tony Vance or Colin Falaise or Stuart Moles or Steve Sharman will pick the Moratti team. No problem what, whatsoever. But. Who is going to... What is the trial situation? I mean, there are some of the players I've got down here who I know have got nothing to do with GFC. Don't go along and train with them and what have you. Does that mean that they will not be considered for a Marathi because they are not part of the pathway, which is, you know, GFC is the top end of... Um, It worries me that because quite clearly it seems now that right through the age groups that if you're not part of the official pathway, you are not going to be selected. I hear stories of um, star trophy level, for example, the under 15s, where there are several very talented footballers who are not part of that this year's squad. Because they are not part of the official GFA academy, and the same under sixteen level who will contest, contest the John Layout Memorial Trophy. Sorry, the John the um, Nigel Gave Memorial Trophy. Now, I'm fully in favour of an academy system. I see no problem with that whatsoever. But surely there must be room for individuals to stake a claim a fair claim for an island spot that are not part of an official academy. You know, they don't want to join something which is they might regard as taxing, overtaxing. Um, and it'll be a sad day if we get to that situation where you, you we were only picking people who are part of this official pathway system, which has GFC at the top of it. As I said, I'm not knocking that, the pathway at all, but I think there should be some flexibility. And I did laugh um, last night actually when I was watching um, this new Amazon Prime film called Shane about the legendary Shane Warne, when he was um, when he was um, part of the official pathway in Australia, but then not part of it, and then gets selected for um, Australia at the end of it. Um, he he ditched it. Um, having fallen into a bit of trouble, shall we say, um, with the authorities who were running the Cricket of Institute, Institute of Cricket in Australia. But so he ditched it and then, but nevertheless, carried on, and his skills and his performance got him into the Australian team and he got his baggy green cap, at which time, period, time the Institute suddenly made a big thing of him being the first member <laughs> of their pathway, which they, <laughs> by the way, they threw him out, uh, <laughs> as being uh, the, the first man to win a baggy green through the system. And he said that he, um, he let them have their um, their bit of fun and you know, enjoy that moment, but he, he didn't really see it as something for him, and of course and I say there is I think this is the case with a lot of footballers
0: it's an interesting comparison because I know in terms of Ireland cricket in Guernsey there are players that aren't or uh, aren't able to or don't want to commit to the, the perhaps the, the sort of professional levels of, of engagement that has become the norm perhaps in recent years you then don't end up playing in the big fixtures for that very reason and I suppose Gareth it seems like you know there's a sort of strong comparison here Yeah,
2: certainly in in cricket terms, very often now, because of the way the ICC calendar sort of runs... Interinsulars, as important as they are, sort of as a standalone fixture, they're often either they're often sort of just in front of an ICC tournament or whatever. So you end up basically saying, well, it's got to be the squad that's just about to go away to play. So you do get certain players who perhaps will shine on the domestic scene. They're not part of that squad because they they haven't got the time to sort of go to winter training throughout the whole season and, and what have you. And so you, you could argue that probably since we entered the ICC in cricket terms, which was 2006, so about 15 years, um, I'd imagine if you look back at interinsular sides, there was at least probably half a dozen occasions where there might have been a case for a couple of others who didn't make it, um, either because they weren't able to train or they weren't actually qualified for us to play ICC, because obviously you've got to be pretty much Guernsey born and bred for that. So we might have actually gone into inter with a, with a slightly weakened side, you might, you might call it. Um, you're sort of almost getting a similar state now with some of this football. If if that's the way it's going, and it's sort of inter representation comes from putting in the hard yards throughout the whole year because you're able to and perhaps you, know, you can afford it, um, there will be some not not huge numbers, perhaps, but certainly some talented um, footballers around who will be missing out. And is that fair? Probably not. But
1: um, I don't think it's fair at all. Um... I think you know there are people in the history of the game players in the history of the game who have not been able to fully commit to the island side and serious training, but that, you know it comes down, to, and I think as far as the, fan, the Guernsey fan is concerned, they want the best Guernsey team out there on the Marathi Final Day. And I think the way we are going, if we don't manage it properly, we, um, we face a situation where we will not be doing that, and I think that is wrong and unfair.
0: Everyone listening is probably screaming or thinking to themselves, "Get on with it, Rob! Name your team. Let's let's hear it. what what have you got on uh, on your piece of paper." Well, I think people
1: know me know me quite well for throwing teams together and and then changing my mind a couple of weeks later, um, you know. But I do think there are uh, several players who are who are really doing well this season, um, who I would consider very strongly for a, a Marathi final spot. And it should surprise nobody that really they are mostly Saint Martin's players. Um, You can't tell me that Danny Hale is not worth a place in the Guernsey Marathi forward line. He is absolutely outstanding when he is fully committed, which he is at the moment, and has been for a while now. He is the best all-round football in Guernsey forward in Guernsey football, only surpassed by probably by Charlton Govine and Ross Island. He must play in the Marathi as long as he. When he gets an invite to training, let's hope he gets an invite. He um, turns up. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he his quality, his ball striking, is surpasses that of any player in the league apart from possibly again Ross and Charlton, who are you know naturals from that point of view. So I'd pick him a centre forward. There's nobody better than Domio again you know here he is he's knocking he's approaching 40 i think he's probably about 38 to be fair he is still some player he scored three again against Oldham on saturday could have had five he is for his age he is so fit and i'm afraid for, for his all-round game um still remains quite superb to be honest and i'm sure if he suddenly turned f- picked up the phone to Tony Vance and said listen i fancy getting involved with GFC again i think Vance would Rip his hand off to, to get involved again. So I'd certainly have those two in. The, um, the third Saint who I would definitely have in, um, and he's somewhere, and I'd probably fancy I'd probably put him in central midfield, is George Mason, who last year could be found playing right back, centre back, even on occasion. But I think George is a really, really strong player, an underrated player, versatile. If you haven't seen George folks, he's about six foot three. Yeah, Very fit. Yeah, there would not be
0: many fitter players in oh, endurance-wise. Oh, I mean, he's
1: superbly fit. You know, as he, he, a couple of years ago, he vied with his brother, younger brother, Ed, for the all-terrain title. He's, you know, he's got fantastic stamina. Very good in the air. Good ball distribution. Very tough. Got a good, hard edge to him whilst being quite fair. Um, I think, in terms of central midfield, I'd I'd, I'd, I'd if, if he's not playing there, I'd probably play him right back, to be honest. I think he is a strong candidate. And the fourth, there's two more Saints, I think, who should probably be in the squad somewhere. And I think they're probably going to get games against Alden, for sure, would be the skipper, Chris Lanuri, who I think would be an ideal deputy for Jamie Dodd, if Jamie Dodd doesn't make it and Jamie you know he's fit at the moment but you know, his fitness is not what it was i think he I think he'd say that he's um, his knees have had better days um, you know um, so I'd have Chris Lanuri somewhere around the squad fantastically committed player who just does a fun, terrific job for Saints leading them you know um, and the other one is somebody who sort of again is a bit versatile could be possibly Slotted in left-back or perhaps even to midfield is young Jake Lowe who is slowly maturing to a nice, very nice, tidy footballer. Um, naturally left-footed. So, again, I'd have him around the squad. So if you if you nail me down to a team, I'd probably go with uh, Jason Martin in goal just ahead of Nick Batty's at, at Sylvans. I'd have the back four of Thomas Dodds Jacob Fallais Jamie Dodd and Ben Latoc. midfield of George Mason Kieran Marne and playing ahead of them Ross Allen and a front three of Charlton Govine Domio and Danny and I guarantee we will win <laughs> <laughs> you put yourself forward for the job <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. then we'd be in trouble <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: anyone else uh, in contention or you thought about from, from elsewhere in the pre-A
1: yeah I I, I, I look at Sylvans and I think there are certainly a couple. The thing about Sylvans, they're really, really organised. Martin Degare and Mike Garner are really t- tactically astute, and um, two players who I think who really stand out in their system, who I think, depending on the tactics which our unknown Marathi coach will choose, um, could be worth a punt, and they're both. Um, Really, really fit players because obviously that is a difference between GFC and Premier League football in general. But certainly, as far as Sylvans are concerned, um, there's no problem with fitness as far as Ewan Melrose goes and James Ravenscroft. James Ravenscroft went to Sylvans probably about three years ago, couldn't get in the Rovers side. There was, I think, Tyler McCain was probably standing in his way at that period. Um, but he's developed into a very, very nice footballer. Um, very, very good in a in a in a wing back system, raiding down the right hand side. Pretty decent crosser, all action, great engine on him. And certainly to talk about great engines, Ewan Melrose is a player. Even before he went off to the Bahamas for probably was it about five years, he's, he, he he impressed me. He's come back for somebody who's now past 30. He is still an impressive footballer. He's very, very energetic. Gets through a lot of lot of work. He's one of those players. I think if you give him a job, give him a, a role to fulfil, he will do it um, impeccably. But he's also a good ball striker. Scored a lot of goals this season. Um, I like him. I'd have him around the squad. Good individual to have.
0: Gareth, what do you make of those picks? Anyone else that you'd have in and around that squad? Well, it's well, I haven't seen
2: as much football as Rob, so it's a bit hard to say. I certainly, um, I'd certainly endorse. James Ravenscroft, particularly if they went to sort of like the three at the back with a wing back. I think whenever I've seen him, he's looked really, really good. He, um, the cross he put in a couple of weeks ago in the Stranger Cup, which created a goal for Thiago Rodriguez, is, is one of the highlights of the season. I've seen it. was an absolutely brilliant cross. Um, certainly, in terms of um, sort of the dynamism that Rob talks about with Danny Hale and you and Ewan Miller, to a degree, that's certainly something which um, sort of Tony Vance picked up GFC against um, Binfield last midweek. Um, because Charlton Govein wasn't playing, because Ben Acey was away that time for his trial at Bristol City, Tony made it quite clear that they, they'd lacked that sort of, just that athleticism, the, the pace. And you you need that. You need to just cause the opposition problems. And Danny Hale certainly got that in abundance. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see people who've been able to run it. I mean... If you could get someone like um, Joe Alvarez to be committed to it, I think he's a very talented footballer on his day. He's, um, he, I saw him in the Grunfork Road derby, and when he got on the ball, he, he did influence the game. It, it wasn't very often, though. So um, it, you do need um, someone who's able to create. Um, I mean, one of the best players I've seen so far this season was Seb Smee, but he's, um, he's gone back to university in um, America, I think. Um, but there's there are certainly people in the Pro League who are capable of being in contention for the, for a Marathi squad. But like I say, you've got to go back to the fact that Aldney is the first obstacle to overcome, so you're going to have pretty much a, a pre League 11 there. So they're all going to get a, cha- a chance, I'd have thought. Yeah, a chance to, to state their claim.
1: Yeah, I think now, going back to Marathi selection and GFC argument, I mean, Tony Vance has consistently Argued correctly that the, there is a huge step up between local football and Isthmian League football in terms of fitness and strength, etc. But I think the people we've have put forward today and the people who are playing at St Martins and Sylvans are up to that. They are outstandingly fit sides. I mean, they really have worked hard on their fitness, uh, as have Rovers, and I think that's why those three sides. Um, Are basically the best three sides and the best three clubs in the island at the moment. They are fully committed to their to their um, campaigns. You know, they really look after themselves, and um, and they're able to play at a very 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 high tempo. Um, Certainly, good enough to play at at GFC's level.
0: Oh well, um, yeah, we we'll wait to see with bated breath as to who's appointed to lead the men's Marathi squad.
1: Yeah, it's a shame in many ways that young Ben A. C. as won't be around for the selection, we expect. You know, he is... Um, looks like he's going yeah, to Bristol so City. To the you know, sort of the so that's, what, that will discount him, because he would have probably... Well, I'm sure he would have made his Marathi debut, and that would have given us a little bit more spark to our midfield, which worries me, to be honest. I think, you know... We've got some gaping holes at the moment, unfortunately. We've got some really good players, but I think there's two or three different positions where we are not very strong... And that's why I've gone for an eleven, which are basically a people who are. It's quite a big team, and very energetic players. Because I think we need to scrap like hell against Jersey and show them, show them what what's for really, you know, and show them a bit of the old Guernsey donkey spirit.
0: Oh, well, it's a subject I'm sure we'll return to pretty soon. Um, as we say, interinsular season is uh, is almost upon us, and uh, hey, we've missed it big time. So, um, looking forward to. seeing Guernsey and Jersey going head-to-head on a football field uh, at all age groups in the coming months. Welcome back if you don't already do give us a follow on social media at GSY Press Sport on Instagram Facebook and Twitter it's the place to go and uh, if you're enjoying these shows make sure if you haven't already to like and review the podcast uh, wherever you get your shows. Um, Well as we mentioned uh, you know it has been an exciting week or so or a couple of weeks for Ben Acey one of uh, a couple of Young players who uh, it sounds like moves uh, are in the offing for in terms of the professional game. We're sort of awaiting confirmation of Ben AC's move to Bristol City. Um, Some very positive noises coming out from that. But at at the time of recording, uh, no official announcement um, has been made. Started out at North at a very young age. uh, And that was where he's playing his pre-o football before making the step up to GFC. And I caught up with North's president Colin Kimber to reflect on the news and began by asking him just how proud they were as a club.
3: Oh, of course, it's fantastic. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, like every other club over here, we want to introduce children to football regardless of their ability. But your hope, your dream is that as they come through the ranks, that they will develop. You know, everybody in Guernsey for the last, I don't know, many years now has been looking for the next Matt Leticia. Of course, May has done it on the female side of things with Brighton. And of course, Ben now, it looks promising. You know, as you said, he's been over there. He's played a couple of under 18 games against QPR and I think it was Swansea. And then, of course, an under-23 against Charlton. I mean, that's it's incredible.
0: Yeah, really exciting. Have you guys sort
3: of had your eye on him for a, a little while? Oh, of course. Yeah, of course, you know. And it's not just North, to be fair. He, he started off at North. Um, he was picked up by Southampton, which probably involved Daz Letizia, because Daz has a lot of work with you know, Southampton Football Club. And then, of course, GFC. Tony Vance came along. Tony's aware through the pathway over here, you know, When lads and girls arrive at clubs, as they progress, sometimes they're picked up by the GFA, our governing body's pathway. Of course, Tony Vance is involved with that. Tony has contacts. And I'm sure Tony's been very influential (laughs) in in him getting a move to Bristol City because it puts them out... That's the beauty of the GFC. It puts them out on a bigger stage.
0: And in terms of how Ben... uh came to be a northerner and got you played a bit of a central role in that
3: yeah well my predecessor mr cortez spoke to me one day at north and said look you know it'd be good if we could have some sort of drive to get more minis involved and so um i spoke to nick leg my own lad tj was at vale infant school at the time nick leg of gfc fame was a school <laughs> teacher then so i spoke to nick and we sorted out uh, an after school football club and Ben was in our first intake. That would have been around about 2009, I suppose. We went up there, played football with them, And Ben, along with others in that year group, joined at North. So, um, yeah, from four years old, I've known him onwards. And then, of course, as I pointed out to you before when we had a talk, that my lovely wife's a childminder and she childminded Ben. So we, we sort of watched him grow up both as a, a young lad into a young gentleman and, and a little lad trying to kick a ball into the footballer he's become today.
0: Oh, fantastic. And you mentioned Nick Legg. I'm sure he probably had hair back then, did he? Um, <laughs> no, no, he didn't. He didn't. Um, <laughs> is that something you guys carried on um, in terms of you know, uh, yeah, getting young, you know, the, well,
3: I suppose the very youngest age groups into the club? Well, it was at the time... We were the only ones doing it. I'm not saying it hasn't been done years ago, but like I said, around about 2009, 2010, we were the only ones doing it. But of course, our governing body, the GFA, have uh, now got football development officers, people like Goss Mackay, Joel Pengelly. They're going into the schools, or they're organising other groups, the Sports Commission, people like that to go into the schools, and they've taken over it, you know, and it's... I mean, it's a huge success. Again, it's the development of football generally. And do you think Ben's emergence, um,
0: well, I suppose first of all with GFC, but then you know, moving on so quickly potentially to a professional career, um, will that put a spring in the step of all the, the, the minis who will be up at Northfield on a Saturday morning?
3: Of course it will, yeah. Everybody will be thrilled to bits about it. Uh, everybody wants what's best for their children, and we try to give them as best we can. And yeah, I'm sure everybody's going to be excited.
0: Yeah, awesome. And what's your view at the moment about about youth development um, in Guernsey on the football side of things? Are we getting it right? I mean, obviously we've got Alex Scott, who's, yeah. who's gone away and done so well at Bristol. Um, as you say, Mayor um, has been sort of blazing a trail on the on the women's side, and then you know there potentially there are a couple more you know in the offing. Um, are we getting things right at the moment,
3: or is it uh, is it a blip? I, no, I think the the big thing for the island is that um, it's always been insula, so that they play against their friends, they play against other teams but they've played them before, whereas uh, from the outset of GFC there's a bigger stage you know, GFC have put Guernsey football out there on the mainland, and I'm sure that's involved more coaches travelling to Guernsey, more scouts travelling to Guernsey, and it, as I said before, with Tony's connections it's just moving onwards and upwards.
0: Yeah, has that been the missing piece? Because I know Obviously there was some uh, resistance to the, the Guernsey FC project at the start from some quarters, and it obviously has changed Guernsey football in a, in a number of ways, um, but it, it, has it been the sort of missing piece of the jigsaw in terms of getting players away and, and, and finding you know the next map?
3: Of course, I think the uh, conflict, if you like, between the clubs and GFC was that um, we develop players who go on to GFC, but if you look at it realistically that's the way it is all over the planet you know, um, the lads that all turn up on a Saturday afternoon to play for Manchester United weren't all born in Manchester, you know? So that, that that's the way it is. It's development, it's giving everybody a chance to play football regardless of their ability. But of course, uh, through the pathways I mentioned before with the GFA, they take the better children just to try and develop them more. And your hope and dream as any club member is that somebody is going to make it. And as you mentioned yourself, with Alex Scott doing it this year and um, with Ben possibly as well now, Joe Adams is another name that people hear about coming up. May has done it on the ladies' side. It's, like I say, it's onwards and upwards. As I say, a proud moment for
0: North, um, for sure. What's uh, um, yeah, what, what's your kind of ambition for the club at the moment? How are you moving things forward, uh, you know, up at Northfield?
3: Well, it's it's the same as for us. We want to continue to develop children. Obviously, the dream for any club president is to win the Prio. We came so close a few years ago. Then COVID put pay to that. Uh, but you just want everybody playing football and enjoying football regardless of their ability. It's why Goons has always been good with three senior leagues. You know, you might not be the top player at the club, but that doesn't mean you can't play football. And we just want it to continue as
0: it is. Yeah, we've heard a lot about infrastructure um, changes, you know, the lack of sort of floodlight pitches in, in the island and stuff. Um, what, what's sort of next at Northfield? Have you got any uh,
3: kind of projects in the offing? <laughs> Funny you mentioned floodlights, that, that is a big one that uh, we're working on at the moment. Of course, a few years ago, we bought The Field Beyond Us, which we named after our late president, Gary Cortes. Uh, so that enables us to take more children than we could have in the past. Uh, other clubs, Bells have now got a 3G pitch for training, you know, uh, floodlights, like you say, it's a burning issue because we all had our floodlights around about the same time. So when one club says our floodlights are on the way out- You get a it's, bit worried. It's, it's, <laughs> go, it's gonna be <laughs> island wide. Yeah. But yeah, of course, we need clubs with floodlights because especially in the winter months, you can't rely on playing football anymore on a Saturday afternoon. There's too many leagues, you know, from all the way from 12-year-olds through to seniors. Lots of teams at every club.
0: Um, and and you mentioned the sort of pre-O League near-miss from a couple of years ago, obviously cruelly cut short. Um, you know, things have been a bit up and down since, I guess, in terms of form, but are you confident things are heading in the right direction?
3: I am. I am. Because as you mentioned before, you know, Ben AC is one of a group that we've got and not just ourselves, talented lads that are getting through. It's always been the case, if you were 16 and good enough, you could play for the Prio, which, is, of course, is our top league. But we've got lads regularly now playing. Uh, people like George McNeill, who has also been away with GFC. Owen Warbridge, Pierre Markey oh, There's lots of them at that age group that uh, are looking pretty good. So bright future? I'd like to think so. The Stranger Cup this year, the GFA, have entered an under-18 side which um, they beat Valrec 6-2, which I'll be honest with you, I thought was a, a bit of a shock because Valrec had been playing some good football. Uh, we were fortunate enough to have five goals scored by Northerners in that game. So yeah, well pleased.
0: Oh, well, uh, Colin, thanks so much for coming in. You're welcome, mate. Best Meg. of luck for the rest of the season Thank up there. Thank you very and, much. Uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. Okay then, cheers. North President Colin Kimber speaking to me a little earlier on. Now, North seniors um, weren't in action um, at the weekend, but there's plenty of other uh, matches to look back on. Let's start with the Islands under-18s, obviously talking about Ben Ac there, he's someone who, who might have been looking forward to making a big impact in the centenary junior at um in a couple of months' time, um, but obviously he's being whisked away. Uh, but the players that will be turning out um, in that match, Rob, were in action on Saturday afternoon in the Stranger Cup, and they looked very good. They beat Velrek 6-2.
1: Impressive, very impressive. You know, 4 in up at half-time and It wasn't as if Ulrike had a particularly weak team. I mean, they didn't have Glenda Tissier or Keanu Marsh, but most of their best players were there. Damien Larkin who scored a couple of goals. Uh, was there Seb Skillen played, and um, no, it was a decent wreck side, and they were well turned over um, by an interesting selection of under you know by um, Angus Mackay, who's a bit of a golden coach in, a, in the in the island age groups. You know, he's won four out of four in the under twenty ones and has now stepped down to the under eighteens. We're him if...
2: forward for the island manager's job?
1: Well why not? Why not? He's part of he's part of the um of the GFA, so I, I think Angus is a very, very skilled coach and knows the a lot more about football than I do. Um, and i I'm, I'm, you know, he's a very accomplished um individual in that respect and um of course played a decent level for Oxford United before he came over here, um, no, they were, you know, well prepared, shaped up very well. Um, all goes well for our chances in the Junior Marati. Um but it's a shame the young Ac won't get to get that Junior Moratti cap, and all um, Joe Adams, who is another. We, should, we mustn't overlook the fact that both he. Ben Acey and Joe Adams, who is being strongly linked with a professional contract, also um, that may well be signed very, very imminently, um, were both um, key players and um, at Alma when the Alma team, the controversial Alma team of a few years back, and who are now. Um, you know that the, that side are actually producing a lot of pre league footballers and, as it turns out, professional players as well. So well done for Alma. We mustn't overlook their role in the development.
0: Yeah. The under-18s they're in the group in that Stranger Cup with Saints. So that would be a, a massive upset if they could get through. Well, if, to they the seven up, if
1: they can turn Saints, if they can turn Saints over, um, well. We perhaps really have a very strong junior side. Well, no
0: one else has done it this season, have they? Saints winning again at the weekend, 4-1 against Alderney. That's 15 points clearly are now, albeit having played one game more than everyone else.
1: The the Alderney side? were the last team to beat them. That was yeah. in Alderney, um, I think, the beginning of November 2020.
0: And they've got to go to Alderney before the end of the season. So maybe lightning strikes twice there. Who was the last side, last Prior winner to go unbeaten?
1: Uh, pass <laughs> but um no I did hear um Saints Club president Neil Hunter um, say I'm not sure how serious he was um, on Saturday but he is he's hoping that the Saints team wrap up the um, the title um, very very swiftly because he's heading off to Australia for a long holiday to see um, Alex's son no doubt and another family. Um, before the season's end and he said he wanted to win the lot <laughs> if, before he goes and of course that means the um wee way as well every domestic trophy and the jeremy um by, by by the way they still haven't got the jeremy trophy uh, i did check that with him um and i'm interested to see with the jeremy cup draw being made um, what the new jeremy cup will look like um i presume there will be a new one um and, um,
0: Who's going to be fussing the bill for that?
1: I would, I would hope, and I, I would expect it is insured. So there'll be some, you know, it won't be some cheap tin pot <laughs> which is handed over. But I uh, hope it's something which is, um, I can't, it's not going to be anything near the, the original Jeremy Cup, which was a beautiful old silver cup. Um, but it, you know, we we do deserve a decent piece of silverware for that. So I hope the GFA are listening on that one, and I hope they're sorting it out. Um I hope they're not leaving it to St. Paul's to um, to come up with a solution.
0: Before we wrap up, let's just have a quick word about GFC. It hasn't been a particularly enjoyable week for them. Uh, that 3-1 defeat at home to Binfield last week, which was... Miserable. Yeah, sort of slightly uh, soul-sapping. Um, and then uh, followed that with a 1-0 defeat at Westfield at the weekend, um, which I watched a lot of. I mean, to be fair, Westfield didn't offer a, an enormous amount themselves, but... Yeah, GFC didn't really threaten their goal a huge amount either. So, um, yeah, a bit of a, a flat week for for the Green Lions, you know, at the start of what is a really obviously tough looking month. They've got seven games um, coming up in February, six of them away. Um, and yeah, I think three back to back games. Uh, or three sort of double game weeks in uh, fantasy football terms. Um, so that will be a tough stretch, and let's hope they can turn things around quickly.
2: Yeah, i was spoken to Tony Vance this morning just to sort of do a bit of a reaction to the Westfield um, game. He, 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 he did actually say he was relatively pleased with their general play, at GFC. He thought they did pretty well, but um, basically, in, in his words, he said a couple of moments basically to find the match. It was. The the one goal they conceded came from a bit of a lapse um, with sort of uh, in terms of positional play from his um, from his team, and then um, he also mentioned um, the a great chance where he said um, people have told their roles and responsibilities, and there was a, a set piece apparently which all went to plan, and Jacob Fallows rose and nodded one down for for, and there should have been one or two players waiting to knock it in, and there was no one there, and I um, <laughs> know that. Uh, by all accounts, Jacob Fallows wasn't very happy to see that there was no one there after his good work. And um, Tony Vance was equally unimpressed. So, um, yeah, they've, they've got to get sort of those those little moments they've got to sort out and if they um, want to start rising up the table pretty quickly. But like you say, Tony, it's a, it's a very challenging period they've got ahead now with pretty much weekends and midweeks for for. Um, about the next well almost the rest of
0: the season i think pretty yeah much. the foreseeable and actually the next two games particularly big um, they go to certain common rovers who are 16th and then Staines town who they walloped uh at footstain just before christmas who are bottom so you'd, you'd say you know, two games they need to pick up points in
2: well yeah it's uh, it was a funny thing so when i first phoned, <laughs> phoned tony today so i did make the joke it's transfer deadline day have you got any signings for me to report on and he said oh, he wish it was transfer deadline day in the ispian league because um all the opposition, well, GFC could do so if they, if they so wish and if we're able to, but the opposition can keep making changes and keep signing players until pretty much the end of March in the Isthmian. And he reckoned out of the Westfield side that played here and drew to all GFC he thinks there were three players the same than the one that they played. And and he looked at um, the Sutton Common Rovers side from when uh, they played here and to the one they put out this weekend. He thinks there's only one remaining player in that side. So, you know, these these teams they're coming up against, you can't really sort of go back by what result they had against them earlier in the season because most of them have all changed personnel. So you just don't know what you're going to come up against. No book.
1: Well, let's hope Staines are... Representative of the side that came over here because they were bloody useless. <laughs> sorry, to say, they were utterly useless, and we could have put 14 past them that day. Can we play you every week uh, for sure?
0: Let's leave it there. Um, We'll be back soon with another Against Press football show. I'm away for a little while now, so um, keep an eye on your podcast feed. This hopefully has been enough to keep everyone going for a little while. Um, There's a lot of football to look forward to, too. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to covering it all. Um, Cheers, Rob. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Gareth. Cheers, Sonic. Take care.